in terms of what you wanted to accomplish at the start, how does it line up with where you're at now? This is nowhere near where I thought it was going to go. I've been a radio personality for over a decade, a job that's repeatedly pushed me out of my comfort zone. Because of that, I've grown in ways I never thought possible. But here's the thing, I'm not superhuman. I'm just an ordinary guy who dared to try some new things and enjoys exploring the unknown. Now, life is short, and I realize there's still plenty of work to be done. As they say, if you're not growing, you're dying. So together, let's grow that comfort zone. I'll show you it is possible. You're going to hear me get uncomfortable, and I challenge you to do the same. Welcome back to Comfort Zone Chronicles where actions truly speak louder than words. My name is Steve Kreisak, joined by Dave Crookshank, my Tinkerbell, his Tinkerbell. (laughs) (laughs) I had something Uh, planned there. (laughs) Take two on that one. (laughs) Welcome to Comfort Zone Chronicles, where... (laughs) (laughs) We'll get this uh, podcast Uh, off the ground. Okay, take three. My name is Steve Kreisak, joined by Dave Crookshank, the Hello. Tinkerbell to my Peter Pan. <laughs> now, coming coming off of your, your nude modeling episode, I don't know how to take that one. <laughs> well, you work, like I provide you the audio and then you use your fairy magic. Hey, it's the best analogy I could cook up on the way over here, okay? <laughs> well, You're... it's because I've got a lot of uh, fairy dust in me, I guess. <laughs> fairy dust? What, is that what keeps you up late at night? Burning the midnight oil? Yeah, and I'm seeing a counselor about it. <laughs> okay, well, let's just say out of everything I've done so far, today's subject is the one I have been fearing the most. I am absolutely scared of doing what I'm about to do. And the thing is, it's probably going to be the least amount of work. Mm. But I'm going to dive back into my past. Uh, The word that keeps coming up is grudge. Grudge. I had to look up the dictionary definition on... I like doing that. You know, dictionary definitions. A deep-seated resentment or ill will. Mm. Yeah, I think that might describe the situation here. I don't think I hold any grudges on people, but I think that's probably intentionally to not uh, to not hold grudges. Yeah, that's mm. good. I mean, yeah. holding on to that negativity isn't good for anybody. I have been known to hold on to grudges, especially, I think I was about 10 years old. This is when I was uh, bowling in a league, a youth bowling league. I remember one time... There was a coach nearby, and she said that my foot went over the foul line, but the foul sensor didn't go off. So she made me, you know, step on the foul line to take away my 15 points. Really? Yeah, it was like 20 years, 15, 20 years before I finally let that one go. I held on to that way too long. Wow. But this one goes back about 20 years, and I'll kind of set the scene for you. It's a teacher. And we'll just call him B.A. right now. He was my homeroom teacher and English teacher when I was in grade nine. And every time I think of this guy, it just brings up bad feelings. I hold something against him. I'll try and dive deeper into it. I just, I don't have good memories of this particular teacher. 
do you have specific bad memories of this teacher? Specific ones. Okay, and I was I really was trying to f- figure out some specific examples of how this guy did me wrong or why I'm harboring these feelings. And you know what? I really couldn't come up with many specific examples as to why I have such bad memories of this person. But there is one in particular that always comes to mind. And it has to do with a book report. We had to read a novel and do the whole book report. Typical stuff. Typical junior high stuff. So I read Sphere by Michael Crichton. Now, this is one of the only times in my school career where I was tasked with reading the book by myself that I actually read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Didn't happen very often. So I was quite proud of myself that I read this book you know, front to back, and I did the book report describing the scenes and the characters, and I put a lot of work into this project, and I had to get up in front of the class and present my book report, and I remember B.A., the only thing he said at the end of my presentation was, yeah, that sounds a lot like the movie. (laughs) There was a movie made of Sphere. But I just remember those words specifically. Yeah, that sounds a lot like the movie. Suggesting that you didn't want read the book. You're just telling me about the movie. Suggesting that, you know, I didn't put in the work. And I know that I put a lot of work Uh-oh. into this project. So that's the one example that sticks out the most in my whole grade nine school year as, as to why I have these bad thoughts towards this particular teacher. Okay, so you, you've based... A 20-year grudge on one particular, or, or is, is there, is, was that just the icing or the, 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 the straw that broke the camel? You back? could say that. As I mentioned, I'm trying to, I couldn't come up with specific examples, but I can tell you that my wife, uh, we weren't in the same school at the same time, but she also had him as a, as a teacher. She was not too fond of him. Not a lot of positivity, let's put it that way. Okay, so moving from there, what does that have to do with this episode? Okay, so this this is where it gets interesting. My big thought was, well, maybe I should track down this teacher and have a conversation with him and find out what exactly was going on. Was he as bad as I remember or... The more I think about it, is it perhaps that I was the so-called a-hole in the situation? So that's the plan. Let's track down the teacher and, I guess, get his side of the story. But let's put a little context to the situation. Let's go back to 1999 into the 2000 school year. That's when all this happened. This was an interesting time in my life. Uh, Junior high is just a confusing time all around. But there's also a loss of innocence, I would say, around the same same time, because don't laugh at me here, but I was just coming off the whole believing in Santa thing. Oh. I was like okay. 13 years old. Uh, yeah, it was Christmas 98, so I was 13. That was the last Christmas where I was like, ah, oh, Santa left me a Nintendo 64 <laughs> game. And then shortly after, you start questioning that, so I'm just coming off the Santa thing, okay? Um, you're discovering your body at this particular age, 14 years old. So 
you know, masturbation has now <laughs> yeah, become a yeah, thing yeah. at this time in your life. Uh, you're getting more serious with girls. Girls uh, occupying occupying a lot of my time at the around this era, and I, you know, remember having my heart broken that same school year by Melissa. Dumped me after three days. <laughs> Spent that weekend listening to uh, Bon Jovi. You give love a bad name. Right. You've never really been hurt bad mm-hmm. unless you spend the weekend listening to to Bon Jovi. And also fitting in in junior high at this time is, I remember in grade nine, there was this game that was hugely popular called Rear Admiral. Do you want to take a stab at what that might be? Rear Admiral. <laughs> It sounds familiar. What is it, like a submarine game or something dumb? I wish. Here's the premise of Rear Admiral. You'd go up behind an unsuspecting victim, put your fingers, your hands together in like a praying oh, motion. I see what you're saying. Yes. And then you'd uh-huh. uh, you'd jab that into their rear end mm. as hard as you could to try and inflict pain. Rear Admiral. The external, The external wedgie. So all this is going on at the same time. That's why as I think about it more, maybe it was just me. Maybe it wasn't this teacher. Maybe it's a hell of a lot harder to deal with, you know, 30 junior high kids in one class than I think it is. So am I the a-hole? Is he the a-hole? I want to track him down and uh, get his side of the story. But this is where I need your... Expertise, or how do I approach this? I, I, I can, first of all, I can imagine being a teacher to junior high school kids is not easy. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to realize. Um, yes, because, I mean, as a parent now myself, just dealing with two kids and how difficult that can be. Because you, you, you know, kids go through these phases of uh, kind of rebelliousness at the age of two, where yeah. they're setting their limits, and then at the the puberty mark where they're pushing their limits and they're establishing yeah. their uh, independence and their identity as adults. And for someone who is tasked with um, maintaining uh, 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 an authoritative figure to yeah. these kids that are going through this rebellious stage, that can't be easy. Yeah. And I think it would be really easy for anybody. You know, how many times has your have your parents said, no, you can't go to that party. Go, I hate you. I hate you. You know, it's like, you don't really. I mean, and parents are going to always be the a-holes um, at that yeah, age. Yeah. And so teachers being authoritarian or, or authority figures um, uh, are going to come across that way too. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But there, having said that, there are ways of dealing with that that can um, command respect from kids. Like, I mean, I had a few teachers in junior high that got my respect because of the way they handled their jobs. Right. And uh, just on the flip side, like uh, BA we're talking about here was homeroom and English teacher, but my social studies teacher, uh, same group of kids, different subject, but he was one of the coolest teachers I can think of. So, so it's, it's, so it has a lot to do with how you deal, how, how you uh, exude that authority. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you were right when you said that uh, pushing the boundaries at that time in that in those teenage years, we're probably at the height, mm-hmm. I would say, of really testing the waters. Because you're finding yourself, really. Yeah. I mean, at that age, you're finding out who you are and yeah. you're finding out, you know, and you're establishing your own adulthood, even at 13. Yeah. 
That's why all these years I've had these bad feelings towards the teacher, but now I'm putting a lot more thought into it from perhaps mm-hmm. his side of the fence and thinking, yeah, it just it cannot be easy to deal with that many teenage kids going through puberty. So perhaps there's a method to his madness and why things went the way they did 20 some odd years ago. So the big question then is, like you said before, how do you go about this without coming across as a jerk yourself? Yeah. You know, do you open it with an email and, and, and full disclosure, I mean, we're recording this before you've actually gone and done these interviews. So this is, this is purely, you know, (laughs) this is all happening in the future. So we don't know how this is going to play out. I'd be interested to know if he even remembers me or that specific time in his life. Or we just another group of, uh, you might want to bleep this out, but shitty kids that went through (laughs) grade nine, went Mm -hmm. through that school. Mm -hmm. So my initial plan, and this is where I want to converse with you, was to try and get an email and just start with an email just saying, hey, do you remember me? Full disclosure, I want to talk to you about this, and it's for a podcast. Is that the easiest way to approach it? That's a good question. And I, I, I would almost suggest talking to a counselor or talking to somebody that might give you some insight as to how to broach this topic without coming across as confrontational, because that's really what we're doing here is we're confronting what you had considered um, improper behavior. And he, as the authority would consider possibly your uh, behavior being appropriate, but I think the conversation, once the conversation starts um, and you understand, you you mutually understand what the, what the goal is here, mm-hmm. then you're probably off to the races. But I think broaching this topic um, is, is the, is the, the critical part because yeah. you can come across the wrong way and the guy says, well, screw you. I'm not even talking to you about this stuff. Yeah. Or you broach it the other way and say, this is an, ex- this is a, a research project, a podcast and this is what my perception was as an adult. I yeah. don't have this perception, but you know, and, and it's all going to come down to how mature he is as an adult too, and how understanding he is as someone looking down on a kid as as a um, a student mm-hmm. who is now an adult yeah. at the same level, a peer level. Yeah. So you figure uh, an email like that might be coming in too hot. I don't might. know. I would almost, uh, I would almost find someone to talk to and just say, just explain what the pr- project is, and if there's any insight from a professional and as to how you might want to approach this subject. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So the original thought I had was email, telephone, chat, meet up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if would <laughs> I'd be able to do an interview with the subject, but. Yeah, I, I'd say you're right. I should probably talk to somebody and get a, a real game plan before I yeah. start firing off emails that come across that might come across as inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. is he still a teacher? or Is he retired? I think he just recently retired. Yeah. I did do a quick Facebook creep uh, not that long ago when I first had the idea for this episode. So I know he's on Facebook. So I guess if all else fails, I could try and send a Facebook message. But that would be. I think a last resort. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big Facebook guy as it is, so I, I wouldn't want to do that, but I, I, there is a means of communication there. But all this being said, you can see why I don't 
like this, why this one it makes me more uncomfortable than anything else I've ever done up to this point on the show. So, Which is why it's a great season closer. <laughs> Which is why <laughs> this one is truly getting out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm not sure if confrontation is the right word, but you know, I've never been big on confrontation. Well, I think by definition, it's confrontation. It's just how you how you go about it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be combative. Yeah. Uh, but confrontation, that's what this is. Yeah. Well, digging up the past, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I don't want to live in the past, but I think this is kind of an important one to help me move forward because there are some negative feelings that I've been harboring for 20 plus years. And hopefully we can get rid of those because I've done some light reading on the subject and apparently it's never good to hold on to negative feelings. That should be <laughs> obvious, but I'm sure a lot of us do it. Well, I don't I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know if this is going to be, if we can even finish this episode. Yeah, you I, may never <laughs> be hearing this. It may, <laughs> it'll come out years down the road as the unreleased episode. But I, I think... Uh, um, um, this is going to be therapeutic for you. It's all going to come down to how, how he handles this and yeah. whether he understands what this is all about and, and not being, and from your perspective, not being conversation confrontational, but, yeah, yeah. but actually uh, being clinical about it and saying, you know, you know, I, I have this goal that I'm trying to achieve. Let's talk about it and get your side of the story. All right. Well, a lot of people have said this to me before, but I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to seek professional help <laughs> and uh, see how we can best approach the subject. I so. can't wait. I can't wait to hear how this goes. This is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this, and I have no idea how this is going to go. Uh, how this is going to end up. So. I'm in my car outside the therapist's office. I'm about to talk to Jeremy Alcorn. Now to you, this is gonna sound almost instantaneous, like Dave and I were just teeing up the episode yesterday, but in fact, it's been well over a month since we had that conversation. It's because of COVID and certain rules and scheduling, I just wasn't able to connect with Jeremy until now so a month has gone by and that has really really given me a lot of time to focus on this issue and perhaps look at it from uh, another angle another light something i can say i probably haven't done before and as a result of that i am not so sure this is a good idea to try and contact my old teacher And this really started when I first got a hold of Jeremy to see if he would do an interview with me and give me some advice. And we had a brief phone chat and he said something to the effect of making sure the other party wouldn't be hurt if I was to contact him. Okay, then I started thinking, you know, I never really considered my teacher's feelings in this whole thing. Uh, It was just all about me and and how I feel and how I was really looking for some justice. And then I started thinking some more, well, what if somebody I kind of knew 20 years ago calls me up out of the blue one day and says, you know, uh, you did me wrong two decades ago and I've been holding this grudge. 
what could I, what could I really say to that? I mean, sure, I would apologize and probably say something like, you know, I was a different person back then, you know, I get over it. So might actually make me relive parts of, of my past that maybe I don't want to revisit. And like, I have no idea what my teacher was going through at this time two decades ago. So what if me contacting him brings up some painful times in his life and I've caused this new wave of pain for him. So there's just so many things that I didn't consider or look at when I first brought up this idea and sat down with Dave. So uh, now I'm going to sit down with Jeremy Alcorn and hopefully sort some of this out. But before I talk to him, just a brief disclaimer, because, you know, life is complex, each situation unique. So any conclusion that we may reach in this episode may not be transferable to another situation. So this is meant to be an example of making amends and really not intended to be general psychological advice. All right, sitting down with Jeremy Alcorn. First of all, I have to thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me about this situation. So thank you, first of all. And let's get to know you. Uh, you have, what, almost two decades in, in the therapy game? So it would have been uh, 2004 when I completed a graduate degree. Yeah, um, so master's degree in social work, uh, specialized in clinical practice, uh, spent my... Uh, training at the Calgary Counseling Center. They had every single room wired with the camera, mics. So we recorded m most everything that we did. Of course, with people's permission, if they didn't give permission, then we didn't record. But mm -hmm. we were constantly reviewing that as kind of a foundation of learning. Um, and also had uh, training with where we would have people sitting behind a one-way mirror, once again, with, with consent. Okay. And uh, so there's like this this kind of really pressure cooker of, uh, of learning that happened there. Okay. So now you've gone from there to Medicine Hat. What kind of people are you typically seeing on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, sure. Yeah, to, to back up just a quick second, oh. um, my, my journey took me from Calgary to Cold Lake, where I worked for the Department of National Defense for a couple of years uh, with the military. Loved, loved that group. Uh, wasn't really keen on remaining in Cold Lake for a long time. So I, I spent some time Cold Lake, Bonneville, St. Paul. Beautiful, beautiful area. I'm just a wimp and, you know, the weather killed me. Being dark until stupid times of the day killed me. I understand that 100%. More than you'll know, Jeremy. More <laughs> than you know. Okay, so from Cold Lake to here, yeah. uh, again, who are you typically seeing? Yeah, sure. So um, that, that journey was brought me to a spot in which I would worked with people with uh, a moderate to severe mental illness. And, uh, and I think in a big way, actually, that's not very well understood. We use that word mental illness, mm -hmm. and, and we don't really understand what we're talking about. Um, but uh, I decided not that long ago to then um, join a private practice. And the people that I'm seeing now, my, my focus really is mostly trauma, um, particularly military members, okay. but I see a wide range of, of things. People come in uh, recognizing that they're out of sync in their life in some way, and they've tried different ways to be able to bring that back into sync, and they want to figure out what's going on so that they can move forward. 
Is there any typical approach to helping them or is it just so individual with each person? Yeah, um, sometimes actually I, I, I feel like um, maybe I'm authoring their change maybe too much, you know, and that's, that's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. People need to develop into their, their, their life. And, and, and I have a specific way of understanding uh, mental health uh, that is, is related to how connection, how we are connected internally mm-hmm. and, and how we're connected to, to our physical earth and, and, you know, the tribe that we are a part of. Since we're in uh, the midst of a COVID pandemic, has that kind of been lost? You know, that touch with other people and, you know, sense of being and things like that. Oh, wow. Like, um, it, it has pushed into my soul more than ever that wellness is about connection. And, um, and people that you would never have expected to uh, need help or seek help mm-hmm. are, are seeking help at this point in time. Because the the protective factors that come from connection are interrupted, and then the vulnerabilities that that they have, which every single one of us do, then become more raw. Yeah, no, I understand that. Now I'm coming with you with uh, something in my past, my teenage years, uh, when I was a child. Are you finding that that is a source of a lot of problems for people? Childhood incidents. Oh, we can have a whole uh, okay. episode on that. Okay, so this would be nothing new for you? Yeah. Uh, diving into somebody's childhood like this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so what I want to do right now is kind of explain to the situ- explain the situation to you, but I did mention before we started, my tune has somewhat changed mm-hmm. since you and I had that initial conversation. Was that over a month ago now? So so if you're okay, I'll unload on you the situation and then you can jump in whenever you, you'd like and we can, I guess, dissect this and see where we should be going in the future. Sounds yes. great. All right, so this whole episode surrounds my grade nine English teacher and homeroom teacher. Uh, for the last two decades, I just, he'll come up in conversations once in a while and it's just, I never have a great memory of this teacher. In fact, I hold something against him, it feels like. Now, Dave and I were doing the initial uh, conversation on this episode, and he was asking me for specific incidents. And the only one that I could really come up with, come up with was, um, was one time we had to do a book report and present the book report in front of the class. And so I actually, one of the rare times, I actually did the project, read the book, did everything I was supposed to, presented in front of the class, and all I remember him saying afterward was, hmm, sounds a lot like the movie, because there was a movie on the book I was reading, so implying that I, you know, didn't really put in the work. So, you know, that was really the only specific incident I could think of when we were first talking about this. Now, over the last month, I've had... Uh, time to think about it. I've written some notes here. So um, it was more of a feeling that perhaps I wasn't being approved, like he didn't approve of me or that I wasn't worth his time. That's kind of now how I'm looking back at it. Devalued. Yeah, devalued. And then I'm thinking back at that particular time in my life, 14 years old, you know, anybody who's been through junior high knows that (laughs) that's a tough time. Just sure. to fit in and all that. So, and there was, you know, two of the popular kids in my class who I was hanging out with. And, you know, I suppose I'm really trying to be accepted by the popular crowd. So, 
I think I might have been doing things at the time that were not typical of how I was in, you know, the years before, you know, maybe talking in class and being disruptive and, you know, trying to really fit in. That's one revelation I've come up with in the last month. And that had me thinking, perhaps uh, this teacher, maybe he did see some potential in me and uh, knew that I wasn't living up to my potential, which I that theory is kind of backed up because I was able to find my report card, which I have three separate semesters. Um, and again, he was my English teacher. So uh, first semester, uh, I got 75%. And his comment was, good student, keep trying. Second semester, I came in with a, uh, was it 67%? Yeah. His comment was, progressing satisfactorily, uh, keep trying. And then in the third semester, I had a 50, 58. And he says, passing, more effort needed, not working to potential. Curious. And I, I see the conclusion that you would come to here in terms of using a measurement, uh, your grades, to represent something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a bit hard to say what the measurement is actually representing. Sure. Like, is that is that measurement, uh, because we're talking about something a bit soft here. We're not talking about like a validated tool. One of the difficulties here in this particular subject is there, there's so much leeway in terms of grading. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of this represents a bias in relationship? How much of it represents... Uh, it, it's a bit, bit hard, actually, to say what that really represents. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. I guess I'm just kind of connecting dots here. Sure. As, in, as fact, in fact, that's one way you certainly could see that. Did I move in a particular direction of peer orientation where I was at school because that's where my community is Mm -hmm. of peers and that it really wasn't so much about academia. And the teacher would represent a position that would be holding you accountable to academia. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. That does, okay. And I called my mom because she had a particular story that I remembered. So I got on the phone with her yesterday and uh, she tells this story. I don't remember it particularly, but uh, I must have gotten in trouble or there was a meeting between my mom, uh, the teacher, and I think it was the vice principal. And the teacher had told my mom that she had seen a difference in me or a change in me over the last six months. What I'm, I'm, is it possible that uh, the perceived hate or disappointment that I'm feeling or disapproval that I'm feeling towards this teacher was kind of his way of getting me to, to, to shape up and perhaps in some way try to encourage me to do better? I, I don't know. That's why I've kind of changed my tune. Perhaps this was more on my end than anything he ever did. And like I said, I could only really think of that one specific incident when he did me, when I felt he did me wrong. Mm-hmm. And yet you had something inside you that can continually connected negative experience and feelings towards yeah. this specific individual. Yeah. And like I said, it's been, you know, 20 plus years now. This would have been 99, 2000 when, when this happened. So, so I'm not so sure, like I said, it changed my tune. I'm not so sure it's a good idea to, to contact uh, this guy because, again, I have to look at 
honestly why I was doing this podcast episode. And when I honestly looked at it, I came up with this, a couple of things. First of all, I thought that this would, you know, make good audio and perhaps blindsiding him with, with this information and making him look like a fool. And two, uh, I feel like perhaps maybe I wanted to even show off a little bit, show him that, you know, I've gone from failing your class to, you know, now I can, look at me. You no, know, I, I can, I can totally line up with that. Like, um, my, I think my, my position, my grade nine English teacher felt super judgmental to me. I don't think that they believed I had okay. much ability to be able to accomplish much. And years later, um, I saw him back in my hometown mm-hmm. at like the pharmacy and I walked over and I said, Hey, how you doing? And, and, and I couldn't help myself. Right. It was like, yeah, so I have a master's degree and I've been doing blah, 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 blah. And, and um, that was, that was just all about me. Right. About yep. saying, look, I'm better than you think I am. But how am I to know that he thought that I wasn't a worthwhile human being? And see, that's what I'm thinking, too. Maybe my teacher did, you know, think that I was worthwhile and he was trying to encourage me to perhaps stay away from that peer group that I was hanging around with. Like so many different things are now popping in my head and I'm looking at the situation from a, a different light than I have, you know, up to just a month ago. So now I'm really thinking it's just not a a good idea to contact him. And the other thing is like, this is all about about me and I never really considered his feelings. Like how would he feel if I call him up out of the blue? And uh, one of the things I thought was perhaps he was going through something at that time in his life and me showing up with this information, you know, could that impact him negatively as yeah, well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in fact, um, I think there's a couple of concepts that sound like they're standing out. Like one was a little bit of a position around, I'm going to take back my power. Um, you know, feeling like I, I, I can do that through a, a particular uh, way and taking back your power is not a bad thing, you know, for sure. Um, the, kind of a flavor a little bit though of like, uh, maybe this is a strong word, but vengeance. Uh, yeah, actually, I think I wrote that down somewhere that yeah. uh, I maybe wanted uh, vengeance or some, some justice in the situation. Right, yeah, 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 for sure. The other thing that, that stands out to me is the notion of, of reconciliation. And I realize my colleagues have told me that's a really loaded word. Um, what I mean by that is people connect it to a very specific thing, which, you know, truth and reconciliation uh, in terms of the indigenous population, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the word then becomes connected to that. Uh, and why are they using the word reconciliation, though? Reconciliation is about two parties that come together to be able to fix what happened between them. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the, I guess one of the, the things that I wonder how that plays in, like, um, is, is that what you're looking for and letting go was a, a reconciling conversation in which the other party would take responsibility for their process? I suppose that's kind of what I was looking for when we initially talked about this off the top uh, with Dave, I wanted to see, talk with this particular person to see if he was in the wrong or perhaps I was in the wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. who, can we meet in the middle here and find out who who did worse to each other? So For sure. And it sounds like you've slid from that in terms of recognizing 
that um, it's not fair for me to blow up somebody else's life um, for me to to create healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I stole that line, by the way. Okay. I stole that line from uh, um, from OCJ. I've heard them say that a few times. Okay, our collective journey. Yeah, as I have collaborated with them, um, and and so, but but that's really true. And and the other part is if the other party's not ready. Then what will that do if it's like you need to take responsibility for me to heal, but they're like just this different place altogether? Where does that leave you at the end of that? Yeah, and and I just I really can't see anything positive Mm -hmm. coming out of uh, me contacting this person. Sure, sure. Although, like as I remember in our very early conversations, when you're talking about uh, this uh, together, um, when you first contacted me, you were starting to describe a little bit around the big picture of, of, of what your podcast is trying to do, and that is about getting out of a comfort zone. Yes, correct. It's about moving life forward in ways that you wouldn't normally do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and, and, and I think you've, you've come to a place of getting out of what is many people's comfort zone, and that is, what does it look like to forgive? Uh, I think you're right. I do believe I might be at a place right now where just forgiveness is Mm -hmm. a better option than digging up the past. So I I think you are correct in the fact that uh, this is really outside my comfort zone. Like exploring this for the last 20 years, it's just been this guy's name has come up and yeah, you know, I poop on his name, you know. I've never taken the time to actually analyze the situation in a way I have the last 30 days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, Steve, I, I really appreciate that because it's, it's very purposeful in saying it's not just you, you know, that has difficulty f- to forgive because in my opinion, this is, you know, the forgiveness according to Jeremy and, you know, how it relates to our mental health. That It's just we we haven't had a good model in our society of what forgiveness is because, you know, we got little Tommy and little Timmy playing on the floor and, Tommy whacks Timmy with, uh, you know, one of those Hot Wheels. And what happens? And people get together and they're like, say you're sorry. What do you say? And what do you say? And what happens is the kid that got whacked in the head is expected to let the other kid off the hook in terms of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just described a situation in my house not that long ago, very similar. So. And, 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 and then we get where we're like, no. I, what I, one of the things I learned out of that is that I don't want to forgive because forgiveness lets them go. Now they're off the hook. The relationship became the most important aspect in what the parents were trying to teach. And then it gets reconciliation and forgiveness all mixed up. Okay. Because not everybody can reconcile all their differences. And, and that takes true accountability from the party that created injury. Wow. And someone needs to be ready to do that. Yeah. Um, but on, on the other hand, if somebody harms me and I'm going to hold on to that because I'm not letting them off the hook, well, how's that supposed to work though? How are my feelings supposed to keep them accountable? I'm going to drink a little poison every day yeah. and expect that it's going to hurt the person that did this to me. Wow. That's a lot to unpack right there. Well, and I think it's amazing that uh, like we, you just came to this position of recognizing this isn't this isn't going to work this isn't actually important this isn't what what needs to happen and and to come 
into this place of of really recognizing what does it mean to forgive that I can I can let this person if they did if they did wrong then then their whatever someone's belief system is if it's god if it's karma the universe whatever that that is there there is some process that holds people accountable for the evils they've done in the world but that person's not me mm-hmm. that entity that holds them accountable is not me wow so i think we both can agree it's not a good idea to contact this person in any shape or form yeah i mean in terms of this particular situation i i don't see i don't see how it would go anywhere um the potential for harm to yourself too yeah is there any, you probably can't come up with a specific case, but would there be a time when it would be appropriate to do something like this? To contact somebody from your past and confront might be a strong word, but... And it really comes to readiness. Um, in fact, what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to drop a bunch of details to maintain confidentiality, obviously. But to have a, an example that probably would work. Um, so... One of the things that I found as I was working with people is so often we get stuck in like a diagnosis, you know, as a problem, depression or anxiety or whatever. Not saying they aren't real. They are real. It's just that the details like we talked about today in terms of understanding what's happening is really at the heart of healing a lot. And so one of the people that that I I spoke with and they they told me about uh, that they had a military dad and their military dad had um, deployed uh, to horrific um, uh, war and 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 then when this person was like five six years old their their dad would keep them up till like two three in the morning their dad would be intoxicated and and would be telling him all these stories about the different things that happened just horrible right and um and, and in an appointment after we had, had discussed this uh, the person um, said hey I, I talked to my dad about this and I went oh no because I don't know how that's going to have turned out. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, tell me the worst. What, what happened with this? And they, and they said, my dad just totally took responsibility. And he said how, how sorry he was and how much it hurt him to remember that he did this to his son and that he wished he'd acted differently. And, and, um, and, then, and then I said... Is your, is your dad like done some some work on on himself? And so oh, yeah, he stopped drinking and um, he's done a whole bunch of things to to get healthy. And 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 that really is the the big picture is around someone's readiness to be able to engage in a really um, reconciling conversation that is 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 healing and and us looking at. Where is someone in their readiness? So then, then he, after this, he says, so I think I'm going to talk to my mom next. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about it first and understand what's what's happening um, in the context of, of of your history and what's going on for this other person? What and maybe from there we can see what to do. And it led to the same kind of place in which he came to a spot in which he started to talk about forgiveness. Um, because we started to recognize that these are not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. That you can forgive just only takes you. Reconciliation takes another party that's ready. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that that would be the case in my situation. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, this is wonderful stuff. 
Uh, thank you for giving me some great insight on this. Uh, before we wrap this up, anything else that you might want to uh, bring to light on the subject or you think people should know? Um, I think that this was a, like a really um, great opportunity to uh, to talk about some things that maybe people are a bit, it's just in their blind spot, you know, there are things that we don't really see without someone that's looking from a different perspective. So I think I think we pulled it together nicely. Yeah, I think looking at it from a different perspective was really key in my case, giving it a, a new narrative, if you would, because for 20 years I've just been looking at it uh, from a position of hate and you did me wrong. And, you know, when you shifted a little bit, I saw something different mm -hmm. and, you know, started, you know, really searching my feelings. I, I've changed the narrative and it's, a, it, it's really a different story now where I'm at that, spot where I think forgiveness is this the best course right now so mm -hmm. and that is interesting because I do have one other question for you oh, and that is um, <laughs> the statement all paths lead there you know curious different different paths that bring you to the same space um, in terms of what you wanted to accomplish at the start how does it line up with where you're at now this is nowhere near where I thought it was going to go like I've had thoughts of contacting this teacher mm -hmm. for years, even before this podcast was mm -hmm. ever a thing. And it was always me sitting down with him at the end of this and... Sure. In fact, I got a very specific question about that. That is, in terms of in the end, and you thought how it might resolve some of the stuff inside. So you came in a different way. What happened to the stuff inside? You know, I, I'm really not feeling a lot of of hate or disapproval like I was prior to when I first contacted you about this. So just looking at it from a different light has just, it's like a weight almost sure. off my shoulders. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, so give one last quote. And that, that quote is from Gabor Mate. And this one has just echoed in my head ever since I heard it. And that is, trauma is not what happened to you. Trauma is what happened inside you. Mm -hmm. Details are important, but in the end, moving forward has to do with resolving what is inside you. And I think we've kind of done that today, mm -hmm. so we'll end it there. I can't thank you enough, Jeremy, for taking the time to walk, walk me through this. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Welcome back to HQ. Once again, joined by Dave Crookshank. How do you do? Now, this isn't how I was expecting to wrap up this episode, but just quickly, it's been more than two months since you and I first mm -hmm. sat down. So we've come a long way since that initial conversation and you've had a chance to sit down and listen to my thoughts before I talked to Jeremy Alcorn and our conversation. So I'm going to throw this one right over to you. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you here and I'm going to admit or make a confession okay okay um everyone has had this kind of a situation everyone has had those people that they hold a grudge to or they have but but people kind of most people being adverse to conflict they kind of keep it in or they mm -hmm. just or it just kind of sits there and stew um i'm no exception to that rule i was fully hoping that i could live vicariously <laughs> through you and let you deal with the discomfort and the <sighs> conflict mm -hmm. that this kind of a thing would bring. So I was 
on the edge of my seat waiting to see how this conversation went. And that's part of the um, inquiring minds want to know kind of mentality, the big brother style mentality of how people want to be a fly on that wall Mm -hmm. and, and, and be uncomfortable vicariously. However, the outcome of it, I totally understand and agree with the fact that this might not have been the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. We do love to watch a good conflict on re- on these reality shows. That's I remember what watch- the entertainment business is. I remember watching Survivor and just loving, you know, when a couple of the uh the teams or team members would get into a scrap. It was beautiful stuff. There was always one good guy and one yeah. bad guy and their minions. It mm-hmm. always happened that way. It's no different from, you know, when we when you talk about and I use air quotes here, reality TV, yeah. Survivor and Big Brother and The Bachelor or whatever. There's always the good one and the bad one and then their little minions. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So as I talked about with Jeremy, I really think the whole narrative on this situation has changed. Now that I was able to look back at it, I really think that I was going, it's that time in your life, I was going through, I think like an identity crisis is probably the best way to put it. Things are changing in my life uh, and I was more focused perhaps on the the social aspect, uh, the social atmosphere of school than the rather academic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I should have been. And uh, I was trying to get people, you know, fit in with popular crowds, get people to like me. You know, girls are very much a thing at this point, trying to get girls to like me. So my focus wasn't where it should be. So now that I've had an opportunity to digest all this, I really look at that time in my life as a period where I was not focused and basically, you know, not living up to my potential. And I believe this teacher kind of saw that and called me out on it, you know, maybe in his, his own way, but I totally think this is more on me than anything that uh, this teacher had ever done. Had the conversation with your teacher gone through mm-hmm. and had he said, well, you were being a jerk. I mean, I stand by everything I said back then. Like it was my job. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you watch the the uh the 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 rocky movies or the 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 karate kid and mr miyagi he was hard on that kid yeah. he was hard on him and at the time wax on wax off and you know you've got a whole yard full of cars to wax or whatever <laughs> and and what's the kid thinking he's thinking this guy is an ass yeah right but in the end it was for the greater good it was for your own it was in your own best interest or it was for your yeah. own good Maybe that's the, the tough love aspect of it was where he was going with that. Maybe. Very much possible. And know. teachers, you know, you got to appreciate, <laughs> uh, and I appreciate teachers every day. And, and, and we, we, my wife and I, we tend to make friends with her. We get to know our teachers because I think that's important to have a relationship with your teachers. And oftentimes the teachers are dealing with parents and saying, well, you know, I'm, I was a little bit not disciplinary, but you know, I was, I was hard on your son about this and X and and most teachers would expect blowback. Well, my kid is perfect. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, you go girl, (laughs) you do that. You be who you are to get, you know, our kids on track. Yeah. Well, it's very obvious that I wasn't focused where I should have been uh, at that particular time in my life. And uh, something else that I did discuss with Jeremy, I'll bring up again. I really think, 
once I stood, took a step back, uh, looked at the whole situation and took an honest look at why I wanted to do this podcast episode or just get in touch with him in general, I really think that it was, uh, I think Jeremy put it, uh, take power back. I really just wanted to show him, hey, look at me now. I got a podcast. I do a morning radio show. You tried to fail yeah, me. The, 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 Look the, at me now. The vengeance aspect of it. And he'd be like, okay, well, you're not, you're not curing any diseases. <laughs> so what's the big deal? You're a radio guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when you step back, I think I just really wanted to, to show him, you know, look at me now. Look how, well, maybe successful. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I was going to say, I went into radio because physics just wasn't doing it for, I wasn't going to be a scientist. Okay. Let's put it this way. Look how far I've come. <laughs> In the last 20 years. So now there's one other piece to this whole situation, which you don't know about. After we were done uh, the interview, or I was done the interview with, with Jeremy, I got talking to somebody uh, about this podcast episode. And the person I was talking to actually, um, I'm not sure if they were just acquaintances or had knowledge of the particular teacher in question. And he was able to inform me that uh, it's very likely that he has the early stages of dementia. Oh, okay. So mm. I can only imagine now what if, you know, circumstances were different and I just came out guns a-blazing trying to contact this guy. Like it probably could have been just a mess. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we're at the point where we're at where, you know forgiveness is is where i'm at so it might have been a ratings getter though <laughs> there is that as well but again we i really don't want to mess with anybody's no of course anybody's not. life course so not. but i think you know really jumping out of the comfort zone on this one to examine that part of my life how i was feeling the different circumstances i had to revisit a lot of things so and even having some of these conversations and divulging the information that i have you know it's all i think it all was part of the bigger picture of getting out of the comfort zone. One of the things I love about this particular episode in general is not only it's, it's an onion of layers, right? Ah, the I old mean, onion layer. When we go, it's my, it's the old, that old <laughs> fallback. Um, it started in the two thousands mm -hmm. and then it was through the, you know, the, you were thinking about this kind of thing before you ever knew you were going to do a podcast. And oh then, yeah. Three to four years ago, at least I've, yeah. I've had this idea. And then as we were, talking about getting a podcast started that was one of the first ideas yeah. that came up yeah then of course we do the intro then you have time to think before you're meeting with jeremy then you're meeting with jeremy then the the stew time in between that you can listen to a podcast in 45 minutes and not realize this podcast was 20 years in the making <laughs> yeah i suppose it was which really is 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 very interesting <laughs> and not only was the outcome not what we expected, but you actually learned something and grew a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I've definitely been able to rewrite the story from the 2000 era as a time when I was not uh, focused in areas I should have been, you know, and because I've been able to look back at it through fresh eyes, that's why I'm able to forgive uh, whenever his name comes up again, it's not going to be the same as it had been. So I am going to classify this one as 
comfort zone expanded. Well done. So that's where we stand. Uh, definitely not where I thought we were going to be two months ago, but I'm very happy uh, with the outcome on this one. So I hope, hope you enjoyed listening to this 20-year-in-the-making story. And again, if uh, these podcasts adding value to your life, make sure you give us a like and a share on social media so we can keep bringing you some of this great content. Send us some of those ideas, ideas at ComfortZoneChronicles.com. The Comfort Zone Chronicles is a plugged-in media production hosted by Steve Kryzak, edited and directed by Dave Cruikshank. Executive producer is Rob Pape. To reach out, please contact us at ComfortZoneChronicles.com or on Facebook at ComfortZoneChronicles. Check out our other great podcasts at PyMediaNetwork.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. 